Well, we are finishing up our Contagia series today, and it's been a long series, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and we've been looking at what happens when we allow the Spirit of Jesus to live in and through us, when our lives are changed by God, and, uh, and we allow the Spirit to work in and through us. It produces different kinds of fruits, and today we're going to deal with the final fruit uh, that Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us about, and uh, this is a fruit, I think it's the hardest fruit, the most difficult fruit, maybe for us to bear and to show. Um, It is a a fruit that once we get it, uh, then other people uh, uh, like to, uh, uh, like, uh, or it becomes contagious and want to be like us. If you are a husband with this fruit, then other husbands want to be like you. If you are a wife with this fruit, then other wives want to be like you. If you are an employer or an employee with this fruit, your other work colleagues, they may hate you, but they really envy you because they want to be just like you. This is a fruit that, uh, that others uh, are inspired when they see somebody with this fruit. And so, I have a couple of weaknesses in my life, and uh, I've mentioned some of those weaknesses like pretzel M&Ms and things like that, Uh, but one of my biggest weaknesses is a nice hot slice of pizza. See, I I can be anywhere. I can be at home, I can be at work, I can uh, be, you know, at some sort of function, but if I see a good-looking piece of pizza, it's almost like I got this big like gulp in my throat and I have this conversation with myself, no, don't eat it. Don't eat it. It's not good for you. But then another thing in my my mind is saying, no, eat it because it tastes oh so good. And so my favorite pizza of all time is from Italian Sensations. And uh, it is called the Chicken Bruschetta Pizza. And I love this pizza. I could eat so much of it and feel so bad after, but it tastes oh so good. And some of you this morning, you have a weakness for pizza just like me. You know it tastes so good, but it's so bad for you. And even after church, you're thinking, "Mm, what should we have for lunch? And maybe now you are thinking of pizza. Uh, Maybe you may even go to Italian Sensations and try their chicken bruschetta pizza. But you know pizza is a weakness for you. Now, there are some here today, and pizza is not your weakness, but these are your weakness. They're called Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Anyone who likes Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? There we go. Anyone else who has a weakness for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? There we go. Uh, You love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You know when they are around, you cannot resist yourself. You know that you have to devour that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Otherwise, you will not be satisfied. Now, some of you, uh, uh, you like M&M's. Anyone like peanut M&M's? Yeah, you guys like peanut M&M's? There we go. And uh, sorry, I hope I didn't hear anybody. I hope there's no babies down there. You like peanut M&M's, and you know that when peanut M&M's are around, you cannot resist yourself. I'm the same with pretzel M&M's. I cannot resist 
myself. You cannot control the emotions that you feel when you see these foods. And some of you this morning, it's like you just suddenly stood up, sat, sat up and you're like, man, this guy's got something good to say because he's passing out Reese's peanut butter cups. But your eyes light up when you see these temptations. And some of you this morning, you see them, you want them, and you will eat them. Like what you see, you will not like stop yourself from having. Now there's others of you this morning. You see them, but you know they're not good for you. And so you are so good that you decide to deny yourself and you go through the pain and you're like, Jesus, look what I'm doing for you. I'm going through the pain of this, right? But you, you go through the pain, but you still deny yourself because you are a disciplined person. But there are some of you here this morning and you are like healthy people. You eat healthy food constantly. You don't eat junk like the rest of us. And there is something different about you because if you are a healthy eater and you've been eating healthy for a long time, the thought of a pizza may sound kind of good, but you don't really want it. The thought of Reese's peanut butter cups may sound good, but then you're like, no, I don't really want it. The thought of M&Ms or the thought of any other junk food, you realize if you are a healthy eater that your taste buds have changed over time, that you don't even desire these things anymore. If you go on a, on a healthy uh, detox for a certain amount of time, and then say you've been eating healthy for about six months and then you decide to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and you order some of their fries, those fries are going to taste really nasty to you because your taste buds have changed. So if you don't want McDonald's to taste nasty to you, just don't change the way that you eat. That's all. But this is what happens when we start to eat a little healthier. Now today we're going to talk about the fruit of being self controlled. So now everybody who got a Reese's peanut butter cup or who got the peanut M&Ms, if you hear some rappers that are rustling and you know, you know that those people are not being self-controlled right now. So shame on you for asking for the Reese's peanut butter cup. But anyway, we're going to talk about being self-controlled and you will be amazed at how many times in the Bible it tells us that we need to be self-controlled controlled. Now, being self-controlled is not so much about being disciplined. See, we think being disciplined to to deny ourselves is self-control. And the self-control that the Bible talks about is not so much about being disciplined to deny ourselves. This is what self-control is. It is living with the Spirit of Jesus so much in our lives that the temptations of this life do not have the pull that they once had. Now, every January, I go through a, a period of 21 days where uh, I, I, I pray and fast for the year coming ahead. It gives me really good perspective on, on, on what's coming up and really some things to pray for, uh, what I want to see throughout the year and what I want God to do in and through me. And, and this year, as I went on my 21-day fast, uh, I had more than any other year, just people just like questioning. And, and, and in church, we hear about fasting and we know it's a spiritual discipline and people do it from time to time. So we don't think much of it when people fast. But if you have no context of church or no context of the Bible or of spirituality, people think it's amazing when you fast, especially when you fast for 21 days. So this is what I get asked all the time. Uh, so are you doing it for a detox? I'm like, no, I'm doing it for, for spiritual reasons. And they're like, what? 
you aren't going to eat for 21 days? And I was like, no, I wasn't going to eat for 21 days. And even this week, uh, I sat in a, in, in a meeting and, and somebody just mentioned it. Did you know that Alex in January didn't eat for 21 days? And they're all amazed. They're like, I can't even eat. I can't even go without eating for two hours, let alone 21 days. But this is what I find about when I'm praying and fasting during those times. It may sound really hard, but it actually really isn't. It's not as hard. The first couple of days are really hard because you desire that food and you desire and you want more and more. But as you start to pray, you start to get into this mode of living in the spirit of God and you start to read your Bible more and you start to pray more. And as you're praying, God starts to do this work within you and just the temptation of food isn't even there. And so you can sit at a restaurant table and watch everybody else eat a bunch of junk food and you don't even desire it because you get into this mindset of living life for Jesus. And self-control, it's important in our lives. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we need self-control in our lives. Now, some of the older versions of the Bible call this fruit temperance. Temperance. And it reminds me of my grandmother. My grandmother had this motto in life, and this was her motto. She would say, moderation in everything moderation in everything. And she would use it all the time. And what she meant is don't eat too much, moderation. Don't drink too much, moderation. In what you wear, be a little modest. Uh, in, 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 in watching TV, don't watch too much TV. Uh, in, in the things that you aspire in life to do, don't let them overtake and control your life. Moderation in everything. And this fruit of self-control, it reminds me a little of that. It's like not letting something become a God of our lives. Not letting food become a God of our lives or not, not, not letting, uh, uh, not letting uh, uh, different hobbies become a God of our lives. Not letting relationships become a God of our lives. Now, if you notice people, there are people in this world who are disciplined. And anybody can be disciplined for a short period of time. Now, if I told you that you had to get up at like 4.30 tomorrow morning or 5 o'clock because you had to go for a two-mile jog in, in 40-degree weather, and then you'd have to go to your mindless job at work for eight hours, then I, and I'd ask you, would it be easy to get up at 4.30 in the morning? You'd be like, no, I don't want to get up. I want to stay in bed, right? But if I told you that... Tomorrow morning, you need to get up at 4.30 because you are catching a flight to the Bahamas where you're going to spend a week without kids, without the husband or without the wife, or maybe with the wife if you love them, and, uh, and I hope you do. Then you'll be like, yeah, I can get up at 4.30 in the morning because it's easy to be disciplined when something good is happening. When, when you can see the results, it's easy to be disciplined, and anybody can be disciplined for a short period of time. Some of you are disciplined every day. Some of you are disciplined so much that you work out every day. Some of you are disciplined that you eat healthy every day. Some of you are disciplined that uh, you get to work early every day. Some of you are undisciplined and get to work late every day. Some of you are so disciplined an hour of the day does not go by without you posting on Facebook, right? And I know there's some of you here. You are disciplined in your life. But the problem with trying to be disciplined is that we are constantly fighting against ourselves. Being disciplined means we are constantly in this battle and we have to work to keep going. But yet when I read the Bible, 
I see that God promises us that through Jesus Christ, that this life should not be a heavy life. It should be a life where, where, the, where the word of Jesus says he takes the weight off us. He takes the burdens. The burden will be light on us. That we are to live in freedom in this life. And so being self-controlled is not so much being disciplined. Being self-controlled is living in the life of Christ. Now, some of you, you will go through this life and there is a real battle that goes on. There's a guy in the Bible called the Apostle Paul who was one of the apostles of Christ after Christ had ascended to heaven. And he went around all these churches and, and, and he wrote letters and he spoke and he started these different churches. And one of the churches that he wrote a letter to was the church in the city of Rome. And there was a cluster of house churches there. And as he started writing this letter to the, to the Romans, he said this in this letter. In Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14. He said, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Paul says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life, Paul says. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Then he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. And some of us, we feel like that on Monday mornings, right? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Then he says this, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how many of you ever feel like the Apostle Paul? You want to do what is right, you know what is right, but inevitably you do what is wrong. You know what is wrong, and you know you shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway. So you see that slice of pizza, and you know you shouldn't eat it, But there is something within you that comes up, that wells within you, that says, eat the pizza. And so you eat the pizza, and you feel bad for eating it after, even though it tasted oh so good. You know there are things in this life that you shouldn't be doing, but you do them anyway, because there is this battle within us. It's a battle with ourselves that's within us, that is constantly, it's this constant struggle of trying to do what is right, but you inevitably do what is wrong. See, every one of us is in a battle, and the battle starts with our emotions, to control our emotions. Then it leads on to our desires. And finally, it goes on to the actions. 
and that we do each and every day. And this is exactly why we need Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, I do this, what a miserable person I am. Who can save me from this battle? And then he says this, the answer is this, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to our self-control issues in our lives. This is why we need to open our hearts and minds to God. See, it's not just the person of Jesus, but it's actually the spirit of Jesus living within us, allowing Christ to transform us and change us into new people. See, we may be able to be disciplined for a short period of time, but it is only through the spirit of Jesus that we will be empowered to be self-controlled over a lifetime. And so this morning, I want us to talk about how to control some of the areas of our lives, how to be self-controlled in some of our areas of our lives. Now imagine for a moment, if you could control your emotions, if you could control your desires, and you could control your actions, how that would change your life. It would change your marriage. It would change the way that you parent. It would change the way that you are at work. It would change your friendships. It would change your whole life altogether. And so the first thing I want to say to you or explain to you today is how to control your emotions. How to control your emotions. Now, the number one thing I hear a lot when I do marital counseling with people is this, or relationship counseling is this. Their emotions are just all over the place. I hear it a lot. And they're they're blaming what's going on in their relationship because of somebody's emotional state. And what people don't always understand is the person who's saying that is often contributing to that person's emotions. But that's a sermon for another day. This past week, I was talking to somebody that I know doesn't come to this church and they've been married for nine months and so they're newlyweds. I was like, wow, you guys are newlyweds. And this person was saying about the struggles they're having in their marriage and they're saying, my spouse is just so emotional. It's up and down. I just don't understand that person at all. And my words were, welcome to marriage, you know. But I was trying to help that person to see things from the other person's perspective. But uncontrollable emotions are a cause for many are a cause for many people's issues in their lives, from low self-esteem to some people suffer with, with different types of depression because of their emotions. Some people deal with jealousy and anger. Others deal with envy. Um, others, that they, they, they just have unrealistic expectations of other people. Some people, they hold a grudge or they're bitter towards other people. And, and, and what happens is these emotions are often a result of a lack of the fruit of self-control in our lives. Now, unless you're the Grinch... You don't want to be in a bad mood. Nobody wakes up and wants to be in a bad mood. Nobody wakes up and wants to be bitter towards somebody else. Nobody looks in the mirror and says, you know what? I want to have a low self-esteem. Nobody you know, who is happy is walking along life and says, you know what? I don't like being happy. I want to be depressed. It just happens. Life comes and it happens and different things happen in our lives and our emotions start to control us and we start to let the battle within us overwhelm us. 
Now, Peter tells us this, that there is an adversary in this life called the devil. And the devil walks around like a prowling lion, seeking whom he may devour. And your emotions are the perfect place for this adversary, the devil, to devour you. Because your emotions are so fragile and you're so emotional. And... What people don't always understand is that the Christ within us has the ability to help us control our emotions. If you are struggling today to overcome your emotions, there is a solution. There is a way out. There is a way to be victorious. And, and it's not through breathing mechanisms or breathing exercises. It's, it's not through counseling, even though I believe wholeheartedly in counseling. Some people, they need to go to counseling. But the victory over ourselves is found in Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, he had a, ment- he had a mentee called Timothy. And he said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. He said, This is why I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or self-control. So Paul is saying this to Timothy. He is saying that you are to fan into flames the spirit that God has started to work in you and lives in you. And then a result of that is that you will not have fear, but you will have power, love, and self-control. Now, my, my, uh, my family were away. My wife and my child were away for 10 days in the last couple of weeks. And uh, so I was battling it, and uh, I had a bunch of chores that I wanted to get done. And one of them was I had a bunch of junk in my shed, and there was a bunch of wood in there that I'd had for years. And and as I went in, I started to see that this wood actually was getting a little, little rotten, so it wasn't going to be used good for anything. So I wanted to, to get rid of it. So the best way to get rid of it is to burn it. And so last Saturday, I decided to get all this wood out, and I'm going to burn it. So I got my fire pit out, and I loaded the wood up, and I, I lit this fire and it was raging, it was a furno, it was burning, and it looked awesome, and it was incredible. But what I didn't realize is as I started the fire, I didn't check the wind. And so the wind last Saturday was gushing, and I'll be honest, I was lucky I did not burn the house down. I'm serious, I, was, I did it just far away from the house, so the house didn't burn down. But as the wind started to blow, you would think that wind would blow a fire out, right? Because when we light candles on a birthday cake, we blow the candles out with wind. Some of you would spit, but most of us with wind. But wind doesn't just blow things out. If the fire is big enough, wind will actually help the fire get even stronger. So what was happening with this bonfire was the wind was coming, and it was coming into the fire. And as the wind gushed, suddenly the flames got higher. The wind was fanning the flames of the fire. When I was was little, my grandparents had a fireplace, and beside the fireplace, they had this contraption, and it was called bellows. And what bellows are, some of you may know what they are, but they're basically two handles and, uh, and, and you pump this, this thing and, and there's a little spout at the end and, and wind comes out. And so what you do is you put it in the fire and you pump the fire with wind. 
And as you pump the fire, suddenly the fire becomes more of a furno and, and, and the flames get higher. And that is exactly what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, in your life, what you need to do, there is this fire within you that God has set his life and his spirit within you. Now you need to fan the flames to make this fire even bigger and, and make it hotter. And, and, and so the result of that is then you will start walking in love and in power and in self-discipline. And this is what we need to do with our lives. We need to open up the hand bellows of the Bible and start reading our Bible a little bit more. We need to, to, to kneel with the hand billows of prayer and start praying a, a little bit more. We need to listen to the hand bellows of worship as we start to worship God together. We need to get the air of our spiritual lives circulating so that we can fan into flames the Spirit of God within us so that we can walk in love, power, and self discipline. If you want to control your emotions, the answer is this. Start fanning into flames the Spirit of God within you. Second thing this morning, I want us to look at how to control our desires. How to control our desires. See, what happens when the Spirit of God starts to to, to work within you and your emotions start to get controlled, then it starts to control your desires as well. And just like a person who eats healthy over a long period of time, that, that their taste buds start to change, and they don't desire the junk anymore, they desire the good stuff. So the longer that you live on this life, living for Christ, the more you fan into flames the Spirit of Christ within you, then the things that you once desired don't become as desirable anymore. The day I married my wife, Golf, even though I love golf, wasn't quite as desirable anymore. The day my son was born, watching soccer on a Saturday morning, or going to nice restaurants, even though I still like doing it, they just weren't as desirable anymore. Why? Because I had something better. I had something better. I had something better than golf, and that was a wife. Some people would disagree with that, but it's the truth. I have something better than watching soccer on a Saturday morning or going to a nice restaurant, and that's the sun. Again, some people would disagree with that, but I think it is. See, when we discover something better, it's easy to leave behind what we once desired. And as the Spirit of Jesus gets hotter and stronger in your life, the desires of this world become less and less. Paul said this in Romans 8, chapter five, uh, verse 5. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And so when the Spirit of Jesus is living within you and and you are giving your life fully to God, then suddenly the things that once were desirable aren't as desirable anymore. Romans tells us this, let God transform your hearts and your minds by changing the way that you think. See, living life with Jesus is not just about giving up, it's not about giving up the good things of life. It's it's not about becoming so disciplined that that we have to give up all the other stuff in life. And, And that's what many people will say. If you become a Christian, you can't do this and this and this. But that's not true. Living a life as a Christian, living a life for Jesus is this. It's discovering 
that a life lived with Jesus is so much better better than all that other stuff that you don't need that other stuff anymore see i believe this if we really understood through the spirit of jesus the beauty of marriage we would never feel the need to go outside of marriage to seek our pleasures if we really understood through the spirit of jesus what joy was then we would never need to drink too much to have a good time we would never need to overspend on pointless things to make us feel good If we really understood the satisfaction that there is in the word of God, we would never need to overeat to fill ourselves. Or we would never need to chase the next high so that we feel satisfied. See, because when we live for Christ, our desires, like our taste buds, start to change. And we start seeing that there is something so much better than there was in our old life. And very quickly today. We've discussed how to control our emotions, how to control our desires. Now, how do we control our actions? My wife, she keeps sending me these email links to properties on Zillow. And they are beautiful homes she keeps sending me. But I keep telling her, babe, we are not going to be buying a new house. We can't afford to buy a new house right now. We're not in a good place to buy a house. And it would be unwise for us to move to a new house. And she says this, I know, but I just like looking anyway. This is what I know about my wife. When she looks, she desires. When she desires, she often acts upon. I know from being married for 12 and a half years, I know this. When we go to the store, and she mentions that she wants something or she likes something a couple of times, I know we need to now start making room in the budget because that is going to come into our household at some point in the next couple of months. Because what happens when you start desiring things, you start acting on those things. And many of the decisions that we make in life are because of our thought patterns before. If you think on something, you desire it. When you desire it, when the opportunity comes, You act upon it. That's why I believe it's important to have goals in life. That's why I believe it's important to know your purpose in life. And the reason is this, is because you know where you're heading and you know that bad decisions can can take you off the road or off the mark from where you are heading. Have you ever thought about an athlete? It's March Madness, right? So uh, how about those Terps? They just dived and just didn't do anything this year. But it's March Madness and, you know, all this craziness going on with basketball. I guarantee none of those basketball players, unless they want to lose, unless they don't want to play well, I guarantee none of those basketball players are going to eat pizza before the big game. Right? Because it's not going to happen. The, the job seeker who wants to get the, the perfect job that they've got an interview for, they're not going to go to the bar and have too many drinks before they go to the big interview. The mother who is so looking forward to having her baby when, when she is pregnant isn't going to go and smoke and drink too much while she's pregnant. Why? Because what is coming is so much better than what we have on offer right now. And when you look or when you know your future is at stake, it changes your actions. Many of you right now, you have decided, I'm going to start eating healthy and working out because in a couple of months, I'm going to be going on vacation and I want to look good in my swimsuit, right? Some of you, it's a little too late. You should have started like three years ago or something. But anyway, 
But you know that you can give up today because something good is happening tomorrow. And our actions of today can and will affect our tomorrows. See, tomorrow, especially for the Christ follower, promises to be so much better than today. So why would I make a bad choice that affects my tomorrow with just a bad choice for today? Paul said this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He said, you don't realize that in a race, don't you realize in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They don't, uh, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, Paul says. I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I might disqualify myself. And that's us as Christians. We are living for a prize. And tomorrow promises to be so much better for today. So let's not make bad decisions today that are going to affect our tomorrow. Since the beginning of the year, I've been on this healthy kind of lifestyle. I've been trying to eat much healthier and working out and, and, and really trying to, 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 to make sure that I don't let my body go. And the reason is, is threefold. First one is, I don't want to buy new clothes, you know, because then the pride in me, I don't want to go to the next size up, right? So I want to stay kind of where I am. But the real reason I've been trying to stay healthy is because heart disease runs in my family. And I was put on high blood pressure medicine at the age of 25 when I was playing soccer twice a week. So there's something, I don't know if it's heretical or whatever. I don't know. But my dad's father, when my dad was seven, died of a heart attack. He was 42 years old when he died. And over the last couple of years, I've really been thinking about this a lot because I'm coming up on that age. And I don't want to be my grandfather. I don't want my son to grow up and graduate elementary school and me not to be there. I don't want my son to go through high school and graduate high school and his dad not to be there. I don't want my son to go through college and graduate college and my his dad not be there. I don't want my son to get married and have kids, but his dad can't enjoy it. I want to be there in those moments. And so I've suddenly realized, or I'm realizing that I need to take care of myself so that I'm there tomorrow for them. So even though I love a piece of chicken bruschetta pizza from Italian sensations, I realize the joy of that right now is nothing compared to what we can get later on. So I will pass on that now, and I'll decide for that tomorrow. You see, what God wants to do in and through you is so much greater than what even you would ever even dream. God wants to use you and use you in big ways, but God is a gentleman. God will not impose on you what you will not let him do. 
So that's why I encourage you today, fan into flames. Get the bellows of your life going and fan into flames the spirit that God has put in you, that that faith that God has put in you and let him uh, or find room for him in your heart that is most significant and watch how your emotions change, your actions change and and your desires change. See, I've been so challenged over this series myself to allow God just to work in me more than what he has before. So this is what I've realized. If I'm not showing love, if I'm not walking with joy or living in peace or having patience, if I'm not extending kindness or doing goodness, if I'm not becoming faithful, if I'm not being gentle or developing self-control, then this whole faith thing is just religion. And religion doesn't change anyone's life. I want something that is living and breathing, that is changing me, and then changing those who I interact every day with. And it starts with fanning into flames the Spirit of God in our lives and let the fruit of Jesus be evident in our lives. So let's open up our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit room to do His thing. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, just very quickly, I've got to quickly pray today before we dismiss. And there's some of you today, you are struggling with self-control. You're struggling in some areas of your life. And it could be anything. It could be health-wise. It could be finances. It could be in relationships. It could be in some secret things, addictions that are going on in your lives. And you're just struggling in this battle with yourself. You, you keep doing what you don't want to do. And you keep not doing what you want to do. And so if that's you today, then as I pray, pray that God will start to let the fruit of self-control become evident in your life. Some of you, you're just way too emotional. And your emotions are getting in the way of the decisions that you're making in life. Some of you, your desires are off base. Some of you, your actions just are not godly at all. And so if that's you today, then let self-control become evident in your life.